All right, Jeff, it's been a crazy day in real estate world. So, uh, well, good for you. I'm just gonna, you know, um, I'm just gonna let you carry this. You know, it's, it's just gonna be, you're just oh, gonna have no to make problem. this happen. No problem. You know? So, um, anyway, you would do, I'll Thank do the you intro. For listening okay. to the Fields right. Brothers show. Well, I am Roger Fields and I am here with Jeff, my brother. We're in central Kentucky and we're actually in the, uh, we, we call the man cave here at Moonlight Fields wedding venue. And we talk about the grace of God, the new covenant, and, and just kind of whatever else happens to come up. So, Jeff, what's going on? One of my boys shared this with me the other day, and I thought, you know, you and I might be able to pull this off. Or maybe you and Lori, or you and I. It has okay. to do with Cracker Barrel. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but it, it's pretty interesting about someone... Someone managed to get their own picture up on the oh, one of the walls in Cracker We worked Barrel. on doing that. We, we, I have a picture that I did for that purpose. What was the picture? It was. It, it, I, I took a picture. It was a picture of me and Lori, and I made it black and white, made yeah. it look like it was kind of gothic, yeah. kind of yeah. an old thing, you know. We made it oval, and we had it all planned out. We were going to sneak it up on the mantle. So what happened? And um, I, you know, I just we just never, I just never did it. I don't know why I didn't do it, but I just didn't. Um, but yeah, you could, I, you could easily well, get away with that. One of my boys sent, sent a clip yeah. to me. It was like a, a um, adult yeah. daughter and father took like a farm picture yeah you know he's standing there with a pitchfork it's not yeah. the total replica of the traditional yeah. American that, Gothic, know, yeah yeah it's not that but it's close to it yeah we I, and then they took yeah. a picture and then they got a black and white like they got a black yeah. and white copy of yeah. it and put it kind of in an old rustic type yeah. of frame and then they um they they somehow managed they showed them passing a hammer underneath the table and i don't know how you nail something in there without being noticed but somehow if it's I don't well, know, there are places where you can just set a pick. Like, there's mantles where you can a few places. Like, yeah, you put just lean like over the fireplace. You could. That's so, what I was going to do. Just well, they just did by, by a table. You know, right by their table. Yeah, just on the wall there and the little. Yeah, that'd be hard to hand, how they do that. I, I don't know. It, yeah. didn't, it didn't show all the yeah. you know, every detail of it. But oh, I thought, yeah. you know, I thought, well, you well, I mean, you're you're. I, I thought about doing that, that then, and so. I but I didn't do it. I thought more. I thought about. I thought, well, you know. The manager is going to, is eventually going to discover this, and he's going to resent <laughs> me for doing this. There, yeah. yeah, he's going to say, "Wait, <laughs> wait a minute, minute. We this know one of our customers," guy. and that's <laughs> kind of why I did that. I thought first of all, it was going to be really cool and funny. The more I thought about it, I thought, "Yeah, I don't think so." You just do it at a different Cracker Barrel than maybe your Cracker Barrel or something. Well, I wanted to see it when I went into my Cracker Barrel. Well, I wanted to see my picture on the so. wall. <laughs> okay, well, scrap that idea then. I guess well, I, I thought. Well, no, it's still a good there, idea. So. I just you know decided I wouldn't going to do it. The uh, we we've traveled a little bit here lately. Uh, went to D.C. area over the weekend. Had a really good trip there, visiting with one of our sons and his fiance, and met the fiance's parents. They came in from California, so that was all good. Got to go to the Lincoln Memorial after dark. I've been to the Lincoln Memorial in that area a few different mm-hmm. times. I've never been there after dark. I don't think I've that, that's pretty either. cool to see yeah. that area lit up and then back toward the monument, crowded the monument. Yeah, pretty crowded, and they're doing some work on the Lincoln Memorial, so you know half the steps were not available. You know, we didn't go all the way up in it. We okay. at the bottom. But huh. the reflective pool and all that's nice. It, it's it's neat to be in that area at nighttime and see everything lit up like that. So, uh, what else was? Oh, before that, um, we were in Pigeon Forge for a few days, and they have a thing every at the end of August. Last year we were there a week earlier, and so we were kind of there while it was going on. And then this year we we were there a few days later. So we were there on a Sunday. We we went on a Sunday, and it was ending on a Sunday. But I think they call it the Jeep Invasion, where people mm-hmm. that drive a Jeep, okay. and these are typically the more traditional type of Jeep, not the, you know, not the SUV type of Jeep, but more the, you know, you know what I mean, my traditional Jeep, the military looking. I mean, they're yeah. not, but I mean, there's a, anyway, I don't, I don't know how they organize this, but 
or who organizes it or, or if it was all organic or what. But anyway, there is a weekend, and then they start early, where people that drive a Jeep show up in Pigeon Forge. And we were there for part of it last year at the same time. I mean, I bet there are a 1,000 Jeeps down there. When we were driving down Sunday on I-75, when we got close to Knoxville in that area, so we're, I mean, we're not even, we're still north of Knoxville on I-75. I bet one out of every five or seven cars coming back our way was a Jeep. I mean, this thing is, I mean. It, well, you know, I mean, that doesn't shock me. I mean, well, it, you know, I'm not that shocked. I but, guess there's some camaraderie. Well, yeah, that, I'm going to get to a half got, serious okay. point with this. All yeah. Right. So now I have no idea if there's any particular event that goes on or any, I, well, I, mean, I don't know. The, that, that is the event. I I, you know, and I remember the last time. year when we were there, we would see, you know, like one evening saw a huge parking lot just covered with Jeeps. I mean, it wasn't a Walmart, but picture a Walmart-sized parking lot just bumper to bumper. I mean, every spot filled with a Jeep. But it did strike me that people, it's interesting, all the things that people will congregate around, some common interest that doesn't mean anything to a lot of other people. One year we went to Virginia Beach. We were there on Pirate Week. There are all these people that get into, well, no, that makes sense, but these oh, other things were there. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we're there pirates. So all these people that have an interest in dressing up like a pirate and getting into pirate memorabilia, they all showed up at Virginia Beach at the same time and, you know, have weapons demonstrations and all that. But anyway, in this Jeep thing, it, it did make me think about that, uh, I mean, how people, and I think this is something of God in us, we're designed for community. I mean, we are created to want to be attached to others, to want to find a common bond and to congregate together. You, you, you have a sarcastic look on your no, face. No, like. that was actually, I had, I had a uh, real estate meeting at REMAX today, and that was a lot of what they talked about, about that, that dynamic right there, how yeah. people do that, how they connect with being having something in common. Yeah. And they were, anyway, I don't want to go. It's, I mean, but... It reminded me of that line that, you know, the, the recognition of the sacred presence in every person, moment, and place uh, is, you know, the beginning of wisdom. And so when I see all these people that are interested in Jeeps and congregating there, now, you know, there's no, I'm, I'm not aware of any overt spiritual part of that. But well, I th- there isn't. That's why. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going on a limb here. Well, I'm glad I didn't look real hard. <laughs> But, but it, you know, I think that is an indication of the human heart and the way God has created us. And so, I, you know, I, I kind of like that fact. And so, I mean, in a way, that that's a, you know, I see well, the image of God in that, of people wanting to come together. You know, the classic so, example of that is Harley-Davidson. I mean, people who oh, yeah, drive a Harley, yeah. they all feel like they're in the same they're in the same club, you know. Yeah. And they say people will wear Harley memorabilia, not memorabilia, but, you know, what are they, I mean, just the, the symbols on clothing and all yeah. that that don't drive Logan. ride Harleys and don't even get on a motorcycle. <laughs> they just want to be a part of that group. Hey, I read something the other day. Now, let me get your uh, opinion of this. This is on um, Facebook, of course. I think it was Facebook. It said this, memorize all the scripture you want. It don't mean nothing if you ain't living them. Well, How do you respond to that? Oh, kind of sad, I guess. I mean, it's the first thing is, okay, how do you know if you're living them? I mean, to what degree? And how many? All of them? Like we're talking all yeah. of them? That's what I want to say, but I, still, and, uh, I don't. I don't respond to these things. I'm yeah, I mean rarely. that's a um, um, yeah, that's kind of sad with that. I mean, turn, okay, you mentioned scripture. I don't have any direct quotes, but I learned of another. Um, we, um, of course, we put in our book "Breaking the Hex Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion." We put a quote of the. Uh, the Is that the book Bible. on Amazon that you can get that for nine ninety five? That would be is the that? one. Okay. <laughs> 
Roger, I had a chance to tell you, book, so, book sales have been a little low this summer. Really? So, yeah. I'll well, tell you yeah. more about it later. But, no, uh, I don't want to hear about it then. But uh, had a tiny bit, uh, blip up in uh, August, but June and July were um, were pretty pretty low. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> good, thing, good thing we're not depending okay. on this for any uh, Do I need to take the jet ski back? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Just the corporate jet may okay. be postponed a little bit longer <laughs> is what I'm telling you. The um, What were we? Oh, the... Um, have you heard of the pirate? Uh, you know, this second mention of pirates in a podcast. There's a pirate Bible. Did you know about that? No. Oh, and I just saw a couple of quotes from it, and I think it's partly come from artificial intelligence. You know, it's easier to come up with these things. And I think it's. I, I didn't go to the website, but I think it's just piratebible.com maybe or something. Um, it was kind of funny though. A couple of verses that you know, typical pirate like language. Arr, a lot and all of ours, this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but that reminded me of the the pigeon Bible quote that we have in yeah. our book. And pigeon uh, is a high Hawaiian dialect. It's actually a Hawaiian dialect, but it's kind of pi- funny. Where well. pirate talk is just kind of made so, up. Um, so I guess yeah, if, we, if we ever get around to doing another book, maybe we'll have a quote from the pirate Bible. Yeah, this time, I don't know something like that. <laughs> so. Um, I've got a few other things, but what, you got anything I else? Told, I, I told you about this already. I rarely tell you what I'm gonna, something I'm going to mention, but this one I did. I, I was You did? Now I can't, I can't I, remember I watched, what I was I was watching a uh, video. I was on Instagram or something, but Ben Shapira, who's oh, Jewish, okay, yeah, yeah. was interviewing a Christian leader. And I forgot to go back and see which Christian leader it was. He does this periodically. I mean, he's had mm. the – and some of them have had him on their show and – and and they just you know they have some pretty honest discussions and in the Christian leader was talking about what you need to do to follow Jesus and all that and Shapiro Shapiro's sharp as a tack you know and he goes well to me that seems decidedly unchristian because as a Jew you know I believe that my behavior and, and righteousness mm-hmm. is all on me and as a Christian you believe that Jesus has paid for your sins you know, has died for your sins and he nails this and he's exactly right. He understands the gospel better than this Christian leader that was trying to mix works and grace. But what struck me is just this use of the term unchristian. You know, when we say somebody's being very unchristian, what that means is they're not behaving very well. well yeah, we're thinking about nasty. morality. Yeah, yeah, it's what you're doing. He used it in a really a better way in that it's somebody who's not trusting Jesus for what he did for us, but putting the emphasis on their own ability to you know follow the rules and live live right and he said that seems to me to be decidedly unchristian you don't remember what the response was from the other no, actually on this video that i saw it was just a piece out of that they didn't even right. show his response they just okay. showed what shapiro said about it. now i might I, I might have to go back and find this thing and just see hear the whole conversation but i was i was pretty fascinated by that response by well that reminds me of a of a phrase i think you're going to really like this phrase um the um the dodgy gospel <laughs> that i've heard you know we, we've come up with different phrases before i forget which ones we've come up with in terms of the you know fill in the blank gospel you know sometimes we hear about the mixed gospel and things like that and i think we've come up with well, i don't know if you remember the other terms we've come up with but um kind of describe a, a mixed type of gospel but anyway I, i've been listening to some more and i mentioned this fella a week or two ago or one one or one or two podcasts ago, uh, Bruce Walkup, uh, last name is spelled W-A-U-C-H-O-P-E. He's from Australia. Bruce Walkup, he's got a brand new series. They're still putting them out. I mean, there's a ton of them, and I've, I've watched or listened to most well, of them YouTube now. YouTube or yeah, YouTube videos. Yeah. If you want to find it, look up uh, Bruce Walkup Trinity in You is the YouTube channel. Okay. And he's doing this whole series, and each one is – most of them are between – 
25 and 35 minutes long and he's teaching he's got a small group he's got a marker board and flip charts and all this stuff and and some things in print and and a like a screen that he puts in and so it's done fairly well but it's they did it for the purpose of these videos and just got this small group together so he'd have somebody to talk to Mm -hmm. and one of the ones i listened to that he's it's actually to be able to write a book evidently he's and he's I'm guessing 60 is 60 years old or somewhere in there. It's a medical doctor, got a wealth of experience. I mean, he was in, um, he's been in war zones, I think in the, I think it's the Vietnam area that he worked as a doctor in, in some of the war zones there years ago. Um, he's kind of treats skin cancer and things like that. He's been a general practitioner, but he's really done a lot in the world in area of mental health as well. So this series is called the, I think it's called the gospel and soul health. And so we really, some of the te- later ones are getting pretty technical. I mean, it's a little harder for me to follow those, but it's fascinating the way this describes of what, you know, talks about love and fear and, the, and going back and forth between love and fear and how that affects your body and all that. But anyway, um, would recommend if anyone wants to, to watch some of those to him. One of the other things he, he made, is, I'm getting off topic here, what I was going to bring up, he had one of them where he says, and I've never heard anybody say this, um, he said essentially that, um, Unitarianism and Calvinism are bedfellows. He said they both come from the same. I think viewpoint. I heard him make a. a really, yeah. I, I, I may sure have I, sent that one to you. Yeah, I don't okay, think that's I quite I followed that logic, there. but okay. Go I, ahead. Think, I think what he's saying there, they both start from a view of separation, that rather than a view of union, that that the entire creation is in Christ. That when God created the world in Christ, and Christ is the Creator, they created the world in themselves, within them, not separate from themselves. And and there, I think there are scriptures to back that up. But anyway, he um, th- and so he throughout the the series he'll refer to the dodgy gospel or an Aust- he has had his Australian accent uh-huh. the, the dodgy gospel. Okay, and it's a little bit like what we would call the mixed gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, like what you're talking about the Ben Shapiro. So is that what dodgy means in well, okay, Australia? Yeah. Since you, well, I looked it up on dictionary.com. Uh, so forget Australia. This is just what it means on uh, on uh, dictionary.com. Evasively tricky. Is one of the okay, right. evasively tricky. Oh, you're kind of being yeah. dodgy. You know, you're being yeah. a little tricky. Yeah, being a little I get it. I'm evasive and that I type of thing. And um, I think that's a great phrase, though. And so he's the idea that you have to do something to get closer to God, and mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to not recognizing Christ in you, you in Christ, that type of thing. And, and so that's the dodgy gospel, and he he calls it the Western gospel sometimes as well. I have learned a lot of what we've grown up with an evangelical basic teaching that we've just assumed is not held by a lot of Christians around the world. There are different views of the atonement and exactly what all was going on there. But he had another great line. I love this quote. He says, the Western gospel is largely a horror movie, but what we are in is a love story. Another place he said essentially the same thing turned around. So the gospel is a love story, not a horror movie. That really struck me. Yeah. That we have made, I mean, think about how we, have couched the gospel and made hell such a big centerpiece. And I'm not saying there's not judgment after this, but we've made it such the centerpiece of everything. It's like a horror story, a horror there, movie there's type a, of thing. There's a, a meme that came out on Facebook I just saw a few days ago where um, somebody's kind of leaning over a, a grave. It looks like a woman, maybe the, or maybe her husband's passed away or something, and, he says, and she says, well, he's in a better place now. And they show below the, the grave that they're in, him in hell. Mm-hmm. And the point of this thing was, you don't say that to people in a better because they could be in a worse place. And you know, 
and of course looked like a horrible scene and they had somebody in there look like the devil kind of torturing everybody down yeah. there which is completely yeah unbiblical yeah you know the, the whole thing that but, jonathan edwards centers yeah. in the hands of an angry i mean yeah. that really is a you know we've made the, a lot of times the gospel has been presented yeah. as a horror movie right, right. And, and but especially with children I, i've gotten i mean that's kind of occurred to me that boy that you know it really can cause trauma in children you know when they're presented that way but the Disney line is the gospel is a love story, not a horror movie. And I think that is really true. But when we when we get it all mixed up, um, you end up with a, a dodgy, as he was saying in Australia, a dodgy gospel. So I had a little avoid that. Um, thing about the, uh, you know, I always, I always occasionally go back just thinking about the story of the prodigal son. And yeah. one little point hit me that I hadn't really thought of before. Maybe you thought of this. But, you know, the, the prodigal son had his approach to the to his dad when he was coming back home after he messed up his life he goes I'm not worthy to be your son I just want to be a servant and all he wanted to do was transition from being a son being a family to being a servant on the farm mm-hmm. and it just it just struck me just so simple that the father just wasn't going to allow that he wasn't allowed to do that it's yeah. not like just that the father said no no let's let's Take it back it's up to sun. you. It's not yeah, like it's saying, okay, you. either yeah. way, you want yeah. to do that. He, he yeah. didn't allow yeah. it. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a party. You're getting the, you know, the ring on your finger and the, 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 the new coat, and this is what it's going to be. <laughs> so it, it just kind of struck me that, you know, the father wasn't having any of it. <laughs> I saw as, uh, on that, talking about the other two parts of that Luke 15, you know, the lost sheep and lost coin. I uh, saw another thing on Facebook the other night, and my, you know, talked about that, the, you know, the, the sheep belonged to the shepherd even before it was found. And the lost sheep, and then it made me realize, I think I'd read this before, and I may have even talked about it one time here. You know, the lost sheep was a sheep before it was found. It wasn't a goat. And then it got found, and then it said a prayer, and the goat turned into a sheep. You know, mm-hmm. it was a sheep before it was found. You know, the coin belonged to the lady, the woman, the housekeeper, or the woman in the house before it was found. The son was the son before he came back and all that. And so, you know, it's just that, that story is very, very interesting. I mean, some of, some of it comes down to, I mean, every analogy does break down at some point. So it comes down to how far does the analogy go? Yeah. You know. I saw someone in that same thread say, well, you know, the sheep, um, the sheep's only part was, um, or the part that, you know, that case sheep probably didn't even know it was lost, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that's true. And that, I mean, that, that applies. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And um, then someone said, well, the, um, you know, sheep had to be willingly, um agreed to be carried which i guess technically was true well then someone asked what happened well, to not coin? necessarily well, i mean that, that's, that's true. still a, right yeah, that's I, not yeah. a great argument actually but then even even <laughs> the shepherd's not going to discuss with the sheep <laughs> would you like to come home now uh is it okay right. if i grab you up here yeah. and take you back to the flock i mean you know or about the coin did the coin agree to be picked up no, no, no. you know so anyway that's it's uh it's a fascinating now the son did, agree, did want to come back you know in that particular right initially you know i still I still think there's a large part of that story that I'm missing of of why the three different stories and what's the difference between the three. And I think mm-hmm. there's some differences there that I don't know what they are. That may, uh, God may open my eyes someday or hear someone, but anyway. All right. Um, got another analogy. You got anything? Well, I don't know if I want to launch into any of this right now, but yeah, I got something, but I don't know if it's in safer for the next one. Yeah, I mean, I got man. a couple other, a few other little things here. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, Kudzu, you know what kudzu is? It's a grassy, yeah. weedy stuff a that vine. grows that we 
I think we have it on the farm here. Or have Very it. aggressive. Yeah, it's oh, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. 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 Kind of creeps along the ground and and yeah. it's extremely aggressive. And yeah. uh, what's the other word? Where it uh, invasive? Invasive. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I heard Baxter Kruger tell used an as analogy the other day in, in talk that he had given that um, he was out somewhere where he had seen he was out in the woods somewhere and he had seen where kudzu had really gotten carried away and there was an old shack or an old house or something that was no longer occupied, but the kudzu had literally covered the entire house. Mm. I mean, just had that's going to come even... out on the inspection report. I'm telling <laughs> you right now as a realtor, that's going to be an issue. Curb appeal is a little yeah, lacking. Curb appeal, huh? but, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, any point, you know, you kind of had to look to even see it was a house, but you know, look you yeah. could tell there was a house there, but you couldn't hardly see the house. But the point he was making, I thought that was a good point that even though the kudzu kudzu was completely covering the house, you couldn't hardly even recognize the house. The kudzu was not the house. It was just on the house. And he pointed that of, of our own identity mm-hmm. that, yeah, we may have some areas of our life that are messed up and we can get entangled with things, but that is not who we are. That so it's We're like, not so the kudzu. Like, it's not the kudzu. So that even though it can get attached and all that, it is still not us, not the real identity of, of who we are. Yeah. So I thought that That's was good. worth bringing I got, up. I got so, you there. Um, the other thing on John three sixteen, you know, we're very familiar with that. But, you know, this might be a form of the dodgy gospel. You know, if the way the gospel is often presented is, you know, you know, we were – you know, anyway, the way the gospel is sometimes presented, it's as if John three sixteen read, "For God so hated the world that He had to do something to appease His anger." Now, none of us would say that, mm-hmm. but a lot of times the way it's God is viewed, yeah. that that's kind of the, oh, that yeah. God is just so mad about sin, so He's got to send His Son so He can just take out His wrath on somebody, and so He sends His Son so He doesn't have to kill that. But really, that's that's as if John three sixteen said, "For God so hated the world that He had to do something to appease His anger," which is not the truth. Again, it's not a horror movie. It's a love story for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we would not perish. So that's a better that's a better way to say John three sixteen, yeah. The um we're gonna defend another note here that was gonna Oh something okay kind of relates to that. This is another one from Bruce Walkup. You know, so this same idea that okay, the you know, if, if the father he, he says this, I think it's a direct quote I wrote down, it said, You mean the father who loved the son killed the son so he can get me. Well, what's he going to do to me so he can get someone else? So if he loved me so much that he had to kill his son, then what's he going to, is he going to do something to me to get somebody else? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't follow that line of thought. Okay. I don't don't think think the father killed the son. Yeah. I don't know. I I know you don't, but but I'm just saying that the, the, the traditional view of the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect life. And that's why it was a, a, um, a transition or a, an exchange, you're well, not going to be an exchange for anybody. You know, nobody, you know, there's no, no, there was an exchange. Yeah. But you're not going to be, God's not going to take, do anything to you to get to somebody else. There's no exchange involved. In, but the idea that, yeah, well, that's where we don't really see the, the real exchange where that's not, where the inaccurate is there was an exchange. He was just taking out his anger on somebody yeah. else. So in yeah. that regard, but so I think there was some, but I mean, if we see God as that way, that affects how we see God more. Than oh, well it does. Yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah. It does. So, Yep. But it really, you know, anyway, get into more stuff there. But that is, I mean, I'll, I'll ponder some of that and I may come back with something on this. Okay. Bit, but I, I, know, I know that is kind of been a, um, a real, um, you know, 
line of thinking that I think has really messed up a lot of people. You know, God's just so upset. And you know, here, here, here's why it strikes me is something's wrong with that approach. Is that we don't see that in any other relationship. Yeah. You know, there's no situation where somebody hates me. But if somebody just does something, then all of a sudden they love me. Yeah. You know, that just doesn't doesn't compute. I mean, we don't know how to relate to that or identify. Or you know, I've got six kids. If I if yeah. one of them did something wrong yeah. and needed, would I go punish another one? Just you know, that makes no sense at all. Or the, you know? that you'd have to do anything, whether forget right. punishment, you yeah. have to do yeah. anything to then. It takes something external to then transition your hate into love or and your wrath into love. And, it's, and yeah, the, the, and so what I've come to see is the cross didn't change God. You know, the cross was not to change oh, God. Oh, right, right, it wasn't. The cross was to change us, and, and it did change us. And so, yeah, that's um, – or, or you carry it even further. You know, we're told to forgive one another, you know, forgive others as we've been forgiven. Well, if I think, okay, the only way God for, forgive me was to take out his anger, is, okay, is that how I'm supposed to forgive you then? So before I give you, i got to go beat the tar out of somebody well, there else. Well, so, you know, if you're talking about the method or the scope, in other words, I don't, know, I don't think I've ever interpreted that as you forgive as the same way God forgave, but just the scope of complete forgiveness. So, right. you know. But if forgiveness is free, you know, if we're to forgive others freely as we've been forgiven, that means. So, again, that gets into... Yeah, we obviously don't have time to get into here, but it gets into what's called the um, you know penal substitutionary atonement, and I've learned that acronym at PSA: penal being legal, penal substitutionary atonement. Um, much of the church in their first hundreds, few hundred years, my understanding, and much of the church even today around the world does not believe in that, but that has kind of been a core of of uh, Western evangelical thought. What some have called the dodgy gospel. Well, we'll we'll deal with that with some more in the future, I believe. Right. So. 